0: Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Poor Podcast, episode 263. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games. Quick note here before we get to, uh, too far into this, for if you're listening to the YouTube version of this, uh, I've been taking clips from the podcast and uploading them separately, cutting some footage to them and things like that. Um, and, and the kind of the intention of that is just to get something, you know, out there in a way that people can see, you know, individual topics I talk about without it getting lost in the podcast as a whole. Um, I don't know that's annoying uploading those separately and you're like, Oh, Ben did a space Raiders video, but actually it's just a podcast clip with some footage added into it. Um, I just want to make sure that's not like annoying and things like that. So just let me know your thoughts. I, it doesn't mean that like, if you say, no, I'm not going to do it. It might just mean that I need to think about like how I advertise them a bit better right now. I've been, you know, more of pushing the more standard YouTube thumbnail with it. And I don't know if that's a problem, but the space Raiders video got like seven likes on it. So I don't know if that is just people liking just the like, or if they, they were okay with the format or whatever. So anyways, if you listen on YouTube, if you have any thoughts about that, feel free to let me know. It would be helpful at the very least. Um, anyways, so this week we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. Um, we're going to be talking about the you know, games I've played, multiplayer stuff. We picked up multiplayer again, uh, some news stories, as well as the most important thing ever, Buddy Mission Bond. It never stops. The three podcast train never stops. Actually, the last two podcasts got a lot of listens recently. I don't know if that's related to it being buddy mission bond focus or if it's just a weird fluke i've had definitely times with the podcast it's like a spike in listeners and i have no idea why then they all go away so if we're back down to like just 20 30 to 40 people this week i'm perfectly fine with that again thank you all from listening you know per usual but anyways that aside we're not talking about buddy mission bond because of podcast listens we're talking to, about it because i got my blu-ray box set for buddy mission bond meteorite show so this is like a um If you don't know what this is, this was a um, a stage drama that uh, they did. And I think it's like September last year. Yeah, September 18th, 2021 is when this occurred. And it essentially just takes a, a handful of voice actors from the game, obviously mainly featuring the main men here. Um, I'm, if you're watching the YouTube version, I'm holding this box up in front of you. I'm not going to open it up. Although I did go ahead and unbox this and, uh, I've created a Patreon video for that. That's not going up until late July, unfortunately, just with how Patreon content's being rolled out. So, but there will be an unboxing there video there eventually. I'll remind you guys when it comes up. I'm sure, um, but anyway, so I went ahead and uh, and uh, uh, sat down and and watched it. And this 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 actually is like a pretty thick box. Actually, I maybe mean, I should describe this for the audio. Like it is a, a hefty box. I thought it was gonna be like two DVD cases in uh in one cardboard box, but it's actually like a DVD case, a CD case. Um, there's a like a bonus card that has like special, like a special thank you message for buying the uh, the package uh, that you can download from like some random website. Um, and there's also clear files in here and uh, the entire script um, for the stage show uh, in a booklet. So all very cool stuff. I was only really expecting to get the, the soundtrack CD and the Blu-ray. So all the extra stuff I was not anticipating. So very cool uh, set. So the uh, actual stage show is about three and a half hours long. I sat through it. Um, You know, I can't read or, or understand most Japanese. So, you know, while I can definitely appreciate some of the the gimmicks and quirks that kind of related back to the game in certain ways, um, I I definitely didn't get like a, a gist of like what they were talking about or anything like that. You know, you lose a lot of the visual information as well, because it is just, you know, some dude standing up on stage, you know, acting it out. Uh, doing a pretty good job, though, overall. It was kind of interesting because I feel like um, Luke and the guy who played, well, Luke, the person who plays Luke, I don't know the voice actor, but the person who plays Luke, like, dead on, um, it was, like, his usual delivery. Um, and, but the other three actors, is kind of interesting because they feel kind of iffy at times. Like, Mokuma, the ninja guy, he didn't feel so much like, Maybe with Mokuma's like his delivery didn't feel off but it felt like he was kind of only like two notes which Mokuma has like multiple facets to how he kind of delivers things depending on the situation but in this one it felt like he was either just like kind of normal talking and then his like high pitched drunk talking and that was kind of it. So it felt like Mokuma just didn't have a lot of dynamics to either what he was saying or or whatever which limited what he did voice acting wise. And then Aaron's voice actor, who's like the big, you know, thief, beefy, buffy guy, who's got like a gravelly, deep voice at times, like, eh, rah, rah, rah. Um, he starts off really gravelly, but like in the back half, I feel like he loses a lot of that gravel. And he's like, he like, he fits the tone, but he just doesn't have like the 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 like drag on his voice anymore. Um, and then Chelsea, I think, kind of... Uh, kind of fit as well like like Chelsea just kind of felt a little off at times as well just like sometimes the delivery of it so I don't know it's, it's just kind of interesting it's not like it was bad or anything it was just interesting to like hear somebody do it live and then maybe like because it's a situation where they're they're doing it live and maybe like not getting as much like live feedback, you know, how their their voice goes kind of changes and things like that. So so it, it was kind of interesting to see um, um, that they also had a couple of the singers. There's a song in there that is like for the uh, ninja ja, which is like a um, mascot in the uh, the game they had that singer on stage. He only did his one song twice actually. Um and then they had the uh I think I forget her name is like Selene 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 Selenia Ann. She's like a Japanese singer, uh but she's like half half Japanese, half um I actually don't know her nationality, but she's she is half white essentially. Um I think she's from a like half American. Um I could be wrong though. Uh so she does like a meteorite Uh, she pretty much does the full set of vocal songs, uh, throughout the event. So that was, uh, that was definitely cool. Uh, a little, a little not like super flashy when it comes to like the vocal presentation. It's mostly her just like standing on this stage with like these two little disco balls behind her spinning and then her just kind of like, looking around I don't know it was a little a little muted in terms of the presentation but that wasn't really the focus I think for the most part and um well it was like a live delivery it wasn't like um a a rearrangement or anything like that so it more or less just sounded like in in the in-game version kind of thing so um it's an interesting show to sit through um but it is three and a half hours long maybe like watch it in chunks um I didn't try to like machine translate the script or anything like that it's all vertical text so that's gonna be fun if I ever try to do that. Um, but, um, but yeah, so the big reason I bought this was that there was a Buddy Mission Bond theme song selection, um, uh, set of tracks here. So it's like, there's like 18 tracks. Some of them are tracks that are already on the, the traditional soundtrack. So like they have pretty much all the vocal songs in their original form on this soundtrack here. Um, but in addition to that, they also have, um, a uh ha- multiple extra vocal tracks and I will say like I thought when I looked at the names of these like these these track names lined up with some of the in-game song tracks I don't know if that's actually the case when I was listening to these songs I don't think they actually match up with some of the in-game music so I'm not quite sure if this is specific but i mean it's one of the songs is called bond again so i'm sure it's like made for buddy mission bond but like i don't know if they have any actual relation to the these songs that were like in the game at all in any way um so and i kind of had that problem with like the first kiss story soundtrack where like for at least for me like there's like so there's a like first kiss story like vocal cd that i have and like none of the music on there is like first kiss story music per se it's just the voice actors and things like that singing and um And like, I guess for me, like a lot of music in games is about the connection to the music in the game itself so like trying to like create new music that's not like a part of the game is like it's fine it's definitely good music don't get me wrong but like i just don't have that same connection personally you know as somebody who mostly enjoys video game music because it's a part of a video game um that doesn't mean I can't just enjoy music on its own but to me there's like a connection that happens between video game and music um that, that 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 you know is a little different than just enjoying music on its own so that's a little challenging but there are some like piano selections, some instrumental versions of some vocal themes things like that so um it is it is still uh, like a nice set um I would really like to like rip and upload these at some point I did do some um kind of ripping in my own personal collection here just to you know make sure I had digital versions of things um but since this stuff's being actively sold i don't want to upload it to archive.org or anything like that right now um so uh, you know if you're like ben can i get this um i probably won't at least publicly distribute it at this point um so yeah but uh, it was a very cool set, and it's a very nice set, definitely. Um, and, you know, I'm glad I didn't pay, like, the $150 to $160 I would have had to pay to get it at, like, actual launch. Um, now, with the U.S. dollar being strong and the, uh, it being on sale on Amazon for $20 off, it was a lot more reasonable. I mean, still, like, 90 bucks, but a lot more reasonable than, like, the 150 it would have been, so... Anyways, very cool. Um, and I I will probably try to see if I can do anything with the actual script in the book. Um, at some point, not publicly, just me scanning or me no, not scanning using machine translation, see if I can get anything out of it. Although it probably would be good to scan the book. It is a purely textbook, though, so there's a very good chance I could probably send it off to like a book scanner like thing and just have them scan through all the pages, you know, however they're going to, rather than sit here and scan each individual page um on my own. <laughs> so so yeah. Anyways, um so Buddy Mission Bond moment end there. Uh but just a note I am still working on the Buddy Mission Bond video script. Um uh, it's starting to come along pretty well I think. I think the script is basically done. There's some changes I want to make here and there. Um but I just well done in the sense of like the structure and a lot of the wording. So I really just need to start doing like the more intense editing parts of it uh, at this point. Um, I'm a little scared of going too far because currently there are rumors that there might be a Nintendo Direct on June 29th. And unfortunately, when it comes to Nintendo, direct announcements typically don't happen until 24 to 48 hours before that actual direct occurs. So I'm a little concerned about going too deep into it. Um not necessarily because I have a problem like putting a video out when before it's in English if it if it does get announced for, for a US release. Um, but mainly because um I don't want to have like the opening be like this game was unlocalized and then a week later it's like okay the game's gonna get localized right. Um, so we'll see depending on how quickly it moves forward. I, I have not set like a timeline down of when I want to get that thing done. The sooner the better for sure though. Um, but we'll see. I'm just a little hesitant to go too hard on it right now because of that. Um, and well, you know, it's always the Nintendo, I'm saying that there's a June 29th rumor for Nintendo Direct. Like, don't get me wrong. It's like, I'm not saying that I believe that that's a given kind of thing. It's just, um, right now with E3 time frame in place, it makes a lot of sense. And that seems to be the date that's floating around. I'll, I have the link to the actual source that I'll, I'll drop in the, um, the, the podcast description here, but yeah, we'll see. Um, but I'm just a little, little, little uh, scared to to put something out. And I tried to write the script in a way that definitely. Um it is open to you know it getting localized and that not like destroying the video at that point kind of thing so um that does present some challenges especially in in conveying to the player that i'm using machine translation um you know i don't want to just like go really intense on machine translation at the start of the video um but i do need people to kind of understand that i am using machine translation um because you know what i i i read from the game may or may not be accurate depending on you know how it goes so that's a good thing. Hey, one thing I did do in the last week which I really was not expecting to be able to beat it, um as I sat down and played Yakuza 3. Yakuza 3, man. I was um I've been wanting to play this game for a while. Uh it took me a very long time to get to Yakuza 2 after Yakuza 1. Um I played Yakuza 1 in like 2000 and it was what it was the same year that uh Xenoblade Chronicles came out on, on, on in Europe. Um the original Switch version of it. Or Sorry, the original Wii version of it, rather. Um, So it's been a long time. And then I played the second one on stream, I think, in like 2018 or something like that. It's been a little bit for that, too. Um, Anyways, so that aside... Yakuza Three um, is a game that I, I've always kind of wanted to sit down and check out because it is the first like PlayStation Three version of Yakuza. There's like a change in perspective. It goes from you know above uh, like you know sky sky camera in Yakuza One and Two down to like behind the back camera in Yakuza Three. Um, and and I played the PS4 version of it. I should know as well because I'm not playing the original PS3 release for this. So it has I believe all the content in there except for uh, they cut one quest line cuz i think it had some kind of something to do with like drag or something and it wasn't portrayed in like the best light so i think they just removed it rather than leave it in the game kind of thing um but anyways so yakuza 3 um is maybe my favorite yakuza game at this point i don't think it's the best yakuza game but it is definitely i think i don't want to say definitely I'm leaning towards it being my favorite. It's it's been too soon for me after beating it to say definitely. Um but yeah, so what's really interesting about Yakuza 3 specifically is that, you know, it's basically kind of after everything that happened to Kiryu and he's kind of just like I'm done. I'm out of the yakuza. I'm gone. And he's like, "All right, I'm going to go move to Okinawa." <laughs> and and start an orphanage and just raise a bunch of children there. And so the first like half of this game is like you just being an orphanage dad and like solving your children's problems, and like yeah, it's not like you know Shenmue where they're like no combat whatsoever for like the majority of the game. It is it, they they still have the, you know the punks that are on the street they gotta go beat up and stuff. It's still very you know there's a yakuza on the actual island in Okinawa and they start getting ruffled you know by you being there and stuff like that. So so they give you reasons to fight and stuff like that. But when it comes to like the story points and things like that, most of it is pretty pretty chill, pretty straightforward. Even the yakuza you're dealing with are like fairly small, you know, uh, uh small time Yakuza people. Like it's a small family kind of thing, which is kind of nice. You know, there's kind of three central characters that they really kind of detail in that family. And I think they're all very likable characters is is one really nice thing about it. Um and uh it, yeah, it just feels very um very chill for the most part. Um and I think, like, if that was just, like, an intro tutorial chapter or something like that, people probably wouldn't have minded as much, but I think it's, like, the first five chapters of the game you spend in Okinawa, and, like, throughout that experience, as you're fighting the Yakuza and things like that, it's a lot of just, like, hey, one of the kids at the orphanage is getting bullied or whatever, and it's, like, okay, let me go solve that problem. Hey, this other kid had this problem happen. Okay, like, somebody had their money stolen. Okay, let's go, like, have a family talk and talk about these, these like, this problem that we have and how we can resolve it you know things like that let's go there's a dog that ran away and we were like one of the girls like had a dog that died and she desperately wants to have another dog again stuff like that and well like I can totally (laughs) it's definitely like very low uh low stakes stuff um but I find it really enjoyable because like I feel like it's pretty rare that games ever really let you kind of explore you know, the kind of what happens after kind of thing in a lot of the story stuff. It's almost always just like, you know, fast, fast, s final boss fight. And then, you know, when the sequel starts next time, you know, you have a very brief introduction chapter, then you're right back into evil thing happening. But like Yakuza just takes this time of just like, let's just explore Kira's life for a little bit. And I kind of appreciate that. Or just like this, this kind of slow, slow living life. Um, and then they like, can of make some mini games in there as well? You can do fishing, you can go golfing. Like one of the things that was nice about the golfing in the story, um, part of the game is it's like, you're just in there like talking to this guy on your golf trip or whatever, or your golf game. And so it's like kind of nice, like again fairly simple conversations about like let's talk about the kids of today like what challenges do they have you're raising a bunch of kids in an orphanage It must be hard you know like all these kids want to play video games all the time these days things like that um it's just like it's just like really chill and nice stuff um and then so like halfway through the game you know they have to amp it up and it gets you know bigger and bigger and then you get into like you know going back to Kamurocho and getting involved with the uh, the Tojo clan again which is like Kiryu's clan that you kind of mainly are interacting with in yakuza one and two and like a bunch of stuff happens <laughs> and, and like by the time you get to the end of all that stuff it's definitely like good yakuza content like like everything you want beat by beat is there once you get into that second part of the game but all of it feels almost like unnecessary it's kind of like why is Kiryu here again and like what does this matter <laughs> and, and I, I I think I really struggle to find meaning in the second half of the game honestly like they, they they do some interesting things with it like because the game's set in Okinawa you know America's involved in like a really interesting or maybe like more intense way than they were in the previous two games that means they also bring in some English voice acting um one thing I do really appreciate is that the the Japanese voice actor does do like his actual English voice acting and then the uh like they for the actual like, um, you know, American dude or whatever, they bring in somebody who's like an actual English voice actor and have that. So you have like this contrast between like, you know, this kind of bad English kind of thing, not bad, but, you know, accented English kind of thing. And then you have the other person that's speaking, you know, pretty good English for the most part. There's some weird like line reads on certain things, not really line reads, it's more like the wording, I think. And, you know, depending on the, the voice acting, you know, uh, or how they do voice acting, you know, sometimes the voice actors have more control of that over others sometimes they are very like c- committed to you're going to say this line as our japanese company has approved kind of thing right and you end up with like bandai Namco's like digimon survive presentation where there's just like these incredibly awkward sentences being read by you know fluid english-speaking people who in, i believe in the u.s branch of like bandai namco but like the the lines themselves are just these crazy lines that just like are the most japanese sounding (laughs) lines ever when it comes to delivery and like there's a little bit of that not not nearly as bad as like a bandai namco presentation but there's a little bit of that kind of thing so um but yeah overall though it's like kind of just more yakuza but the pacing is different and i think that's like what really stands out to me so like i look at yakuza 3 and i'm like yakuza 3 is a completely unnecessary game in the series and then you know how much that matters for later games because it goes up to Yakuza Six with Kiryu, right? And then Yakuza Seven they change protagonists. Like I, I don't know. Um, but in the case of Yakuza Three specifically, it feels unnecessary. But the perspective that they show it to you at least for the first half of the game is really interesting. And I think if you do care about Yakuza One and Yakuza Two, and you care about Kiryu as a character. Um, there are things to get and learn about Kiryu in Yakuza 3, you know, his handling of children, how he, how he, you know, goes and and deals with their conflicts and things like that. And you get like those kind of cute moments, you know, where he's, you know, having a little, you know, scene with these, with these kids and, and, you know, building an orphanage, you know, an orphan family. And cause him, he himself is an orphan as well, right? Um, and so like, and how, how he uses that to, you know, kind of, um, uh, relate to them and things like that. I think there's a lot of value in that, um, for, for exploring Kiryu as a character. Um, it's just the, the actual Yakuza stuff that happens. It's just like, I guess this could be happening. This is a reason for me to go punch guys, I guess. So, so yeah, but like combat wise, I don't really feel like there was anything too particularly unique about it um i could be wrong but i think one of the new things in this game again it's been a while since i played accusa 2 is that like when a character gets like low enough on health you get like the ability to charge up like a rage meter um which you can use to like do special moves which is in the previous games um but like but like you can sit there and like press the r2 trigger during these like these special scenes to essentially charge up and do like a finisher i guess is what it's called um and you start with one that's like kind of the head butt or whatever and you kick them on the like off the floor and then you head butt them when they get up or something like that um and i think you learn those from like watching dvds in the game by going to the dvd store and things like that I did not ever get another one of those. I never went to the DVD store outside of the story scenes for, for what was needed. So, uh, you know, I, I basically just stuck with the head splitter or whatever it was called through the entire game. Which, I mean, the game's not hard. So, like, you can get through it without too much trouble either way. But that was one of the one things that, like, I was like, I probably should have gone and looked at, like, a DVD at some point and gotten more of these special moves Because for now, I just have the one, essentially. So, uh, inventory space, I think, is something that I really would like to see done away with as well in that series. I don't know if they eventually did, but... I was not a fan of like having to manage my inventory that much. I just kind of want to, you know, that you already have limitations on what you can bring into combat with you. So like my feeling would be, okay, have like a weapon slot, have like a healing item slot and just kind of leave it at that uh, armor slot as well. I forgot those armor slots. And then like the rest for all your other items, just let it go in a giant inventory who cares kind of thing. So, but you know, this is a game from like what, 2008 or something like that. So, you know, d- design sensibilities were quite a bit different back then and things like that. So, I'm not really excited to play more Yakuza games, to be honest, after playing Yakuza 3. Like, again, I really like what Yakuza 3 did, but it feels like it was just like a really good execution of something that probably shouldn't have existed. But with working with what they had, it makes a lot of sense why they made the game they did. And I think it was pretty good uh, because of that. Um, but like, it makes me really question, like, what do I want out of a Yakuza 4? What do I want out of Yakuza 5? Because like the actual Yakuza part of those games or part of three at least it's just kind of like i don't really know nothing of this feels like necessary so anyways i do have the ps4 collection so that includes uh three four and five so four and five are still on my shelf so i'm sure at some point i will think about it and play another yakuza game when that will happen whole other thing. Um, I was trying to decide, you know, what to play next. Um, just trying to keep things rolling at the moment. Uh, maybe not go as intense on, uh, on the next game as much as I did with Yakuza. Um, you know, like I said before, I'm kind of in a weird spot with my employment right now. And I've been kind of just coasting to some degree, which I, I will say, like, don't worry about me that much. I I have the ability to coast right now. So I'm just going, eh, Eh, maybe i just maybe i just chill a little bit um but maybe i'm starting to get to the point where like i i think i think i'm going to get to the point where i'm going to be like i need to start moving stuff forward and i i do i am working with like a comp. this is probably too much information working with a company locally here that i'm, I'm going to start doing some work for here uh part-time basically um and and that will be uh uh good to to do that so um, plan on doing that here. Um, but I do want to kind of keep things going and keep playing stuff right now, especially stuff that I don't really plan to do videos on because I already have a backlog of videos I'm working on at the moment. So, um, I'm part of me because I got through Yakuza so fast, like maybe I can be a little more, um, rambunctious or something like that and play like a JRPG or at least like maybe like a 30 to 40 hour one. Um, but I'm just really scared about starting anything before I start Xenoblade Chronicles 3 um, and, and risking a situation where I'm halfway through an RPG, then Xenoblade Chronicles 3 comes out, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta finish this RPG before I beat Xenoblade, Chron- play Xenoblade Chronicles 3, so, you know, I still got, like, you know, a month and 10 days or whatever, so, maybe do something short, maybe I should play Summit Bringer, only problem with Summit Bringer is, like, I'm probably gonna want to talk about Summit Bringer, so, like, I'll probably need to make a video on that to some degree, so, I don't know, but, We'll see. I, I haven't really decided. An, an easy answer would probably be Four Goddesses Online. That's the uh, kind of fancy star online-ish Neptunia game. Um, I'm debating that. I, I don't... I feel bad. I don't really care for like the dialogue and then like the spin-off Neptunia games, so like I don't know. I, I just am kind of on the fence about wanting to play that. But I, like from a video game perspective, I am interested in playing that at the moment. So um, I did beat another game as well on um, this last week. So on Monday uh, we finally formed up for some multiplayer time again. Although actually last week before that we, or maybe over the weekend. I don't remember. Maybe it was before the podcast last week. I can't remember. We finished up trying two. Apparently, we never beat trying two, so we beat trying two. Trying two is pretty much just like trying one. It's about all I got to say about trying two. Trying three, however, we played that on Monday. Shorter game. Um, but it was actually really cool because they basically took the Trine experience, you know, is that 2D side-scrolling, you know, puzzle platformer kind of thing where you have these three different characters with the different movesets and the, the level designs kind of open-ended in a way that each character can kind of combine their movesets with each other to do interesting things. Um, so they took that, that gameplay design and basically brought it over into like a 3D space. Not like a full 3D behind the back thing, but like up top-down isometric view kind of thing, you move around in a, in a 3D environment kind of thing. So, um, and I really liked it. It was really fun. Um, one of the nice things, because uh, play, I've play, i played the Wizard in every single trying game as we played through Cooperative. Um, and so one really nice thing about the Wizard in this game is that he feels a lot more flexible. In the previous games, you had to like draw the box on screen using either the analog stick on a controller or in my case, I'm using the mouse and keyboard and using the mouse to draw boxes. And you can move those boxes around and you can hurt enemies with it, but it doesn't feel particularly good. And you can also like build platforms and things like that. So, But you can like build multiple platforms boxes and chain them together and like these like long flat platforms um they take a lot of that away in shrine three but what they give you is a box that has a lot more capability to it um so you can use it as a way to basically uh kill enemies by like dropping the box down on the enemy heads and things like that and it's like it's an actual satisfying drop down like it's an actual attack it's not just you dropping a box and hoping something happens kind of thing um and so it's like well it's like his actual move set is a bit more limited the the introduction of like a 3d plane and things like that i think makes it interesting enough that you're you're even though you only have one box you're able to navigate around in interesting ways with that Um, so I thought the wizard was probably the best implemented in trying three in terms of like being able to be, um, uh, uh, a part of the experience. Now that being said, you know, he doesn't really fit the old wizard tradition there where he basically can build a lot of like platforms and kind of get around stuff. You definitely can use platforms to kind of cheat stuff a little bit, but it's not nearly as like, um, complicated as the first game where you can like put all these pieces onto your box and then like make some weird bridge that like connects across a gap that you are definitely not supposed to have a bridge to just go over kind of thing. Um and there's like some weird physics stuff as well. I will say that perspective at times was a little hard to track and things like that, so it was easy to accidentally platform off an edge or miss a box and things like that. Um but probably the bigger issue this game had was that apparently they ran out of money at some point and basically just had to wrap the game up. Um and so they actually got, you get to the end of the game and you're like, they're talking about, oh, you got the first piece of whatever this thing is you're collecting. And then that's the end of the game. Um, I don't know if they were planning to like add stuff in as DLC or whatever, but I went and read on the Wikipedia page and apparently they're like, yeah, we ran out of money. Whoops. We made the game a little too uh, complicated. <laughs> so, so it cost us a lot more money to make it. Um, so it's a little, it's a a shame because like, uh, with Trine 4, they actually went back to the old style of Trine and it's like a 2D kind of thing. And I don't know that like exactly what's going on in Trine 4. So I don't want to like disparage it too much. I don't know enough about it, but they do go back to the 2D attempt. And it's a shame to just like see like them not really build on that 3D attempt because, you know, they just really couldn't make the money work with it. And it it put them in a really rough spot and, and the game definitely didn't review super well. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. There's like a wall jumping and things like that. And each character has wall jumping. So like, you know, each character has, has more flexibility. I feel like to like navigate around in a way that I feel like only the rogue had in the previous games, but the rogue still has like a grapple hook and things like that. They can do interesting things with, and I feel like the, the levels had puzzles that were more fitting to the characters in there. I feel like trying games typically just kind of like give you a general area and they're like, okay. Kind of figure it out. Like, they don't really give you, like, some direct puzzles. But trying 3, a lot of... And trying 2 does, like, add some direct puzzles in. But, like, it's still just kind of the general... Figure out how to get over there. Trying 3 adds more of those direct puzzles in... But you can still use like weird physics quirks and things like that, or weird jumping things to, to solve puzzles in different and interesting ways that aren't just, you know, what the puzzle solution is. So it maybe doesn't feel as elegant in some ways about doing that, but it feels, it feels more engaging, I think. And it just feels a lot funner to play overall um, for me personally. So again, it's one of those cases like with Yakuza 3, Trying 3 is definitely probably the worst game of the three, but it's definitely my personal favorite of the three. So I'm loving that. I'm loving that third entry this week third games only this week three 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 um anyway so i don't know we're gonna play trine four um at at this point i'm trying to keep the multiplayer gaming down to just one day one day a week um so what that means is that next week we're gonna go back to crystal chronicles and that will be the only multiplayer thing i do hopefully uh, in terms of that particular group i may do other like you know off the cuff multiplayer stuff but in terms of that particular group where we're doing the scheduled weekly sessions you know between those two sessions doing the podcast you know, on a on a weekend you know recording or doing movie nights for the discord group, and then also having a stream night like my my act my like day my time after work was getting suffocated pretty pretty significantly so the then the kind of the nice thing about everything imploding recently for me is that I'm getting a chance to sit down and be like, okay. What do, I actually, what do i actually need in my life <laughs> and like what can i do to to move things around and all that stuff and and figure out what i want to do so um and that's probably going to change here in the future as i figure things out from there as well but it's been nice to be able to take a breather for a moment so anyways hey guess what it's time for the patreon thank you again paul daniel jillian discreet and zero for your support to the Patreon. There are two levels of Patreon that you can contribute to. Um, For the first level, is like a $3 level where you can ask a podcast question and we'll go ahead and go over that question here in a moment. And there's also a second level, the $5 level, um, where you can get bonus content. Last week, there's a video that went up where I went over my Dojin stuff that I got from Japan in 2019. Um, you can do that. I think I accidentally left out like five or six books. I found them later because I remember I set them aside somewhere else. I was like, ah, wow, whoops. Um, but, you know, it's fine. There's there's plenty of Dojin books. It's like an hour long video. So there's plenty of Dojin books for you to look through in there. Um, so there's that. Um, and in the upcoming coming weeks, we have an article reading. I'm pretty sure. I believe it's the um, uh, Yoshi's Island is the next one. They were do article reading for Yoshi's Island. Uh, I forget if I mentioned it earlier, but at the end of July, um, I'll have a Bunny Mission Bond meteor show, meteorite show, uh, unboxing video for this package. All the stuff that I talked about earlier will be in there. We'll look through it. Um, I was originally not going to do that. And then, like, right as I thought to open, it's like, I should probably do that. Look at some other Buddy Mission Bond stuff I have as well. Uh, unfortunately, I'm trying to plan stuff ahead so that stuff gets pushed out pretty far, um, unfortunately, as I try to schedule content out. So that's a ways out. But uh, I'll definitely remind you as we get closer to the day that you can see that package on Unbox. Although I'm sure there's, you know, pictures online if you really want to go up and look at look for it. So anyways patreon question time this is from jillian and the patreon questions asks any memorable ga- video game manuals and i gotta be honest with you i thought about this the last couple of weeks and while i know there's definitely manuals i've seen that are very cute and fun over time uh nothing really stuck with me super well um but what i do think is interesting is um something that i got in my pc 98 game so uh, you know i imagine most of you guys at this point know what a pc 98 is japanese pc um and i went in japan in 2019 to go get some pc 98 games while i was there i mean i went there for other reasons but one of my goals was to get a pc 98 and some pc 98 games uh and so i bought like six or seven pc 98 games that are down there some of them are junk so like they're they like were a 100 uh yen so like less than a dollar basically to get because the discs didn't work um but you know they had the packaging and everything with the manuals and stuff like that and one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me about those manuals is that they would have like little um print inserts in there and basically what those print inserts were were like uh uh I guess like, uh, adjustments to the manual, like there's a word for it. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it, but basically like the, the manual was printed, the manual was done. However, something in the game changed or, or they found a mistake in the manual. So they added in this like little extra sheet of paper that they printed out and just like stuck it in there. And I kind of always liked that. Just kind of like, I guess, I don't know how to put it like almost, uh, to some degree, it almost feels like an admission of defeat of just like, we notice this thing and we think it's important. The player knows. So we're going to print this paper out and rather than like reprint everything, we're just going to drop this piece of paper in here and says like, Hey, on page 45, we say this. No, that's not the case. Don't look at it that way. Um, I'm trying to, I'd be curious to see like when the last example of something like that was, I mean, obviously today we have patch notes and stuff like that. And on the patch notes, they'll be like, yeah, by the way, if you start this quest right now and you're a, you know, Galka, who's a white mage, uh, you're going to get softlocked. Please contact a game master and they'll help you out. Stuff like that. You know, there are there are like online announcements for those things. But yeah, I'd be curious, like the last time somebody included like a printed note in a man or in like a physical game that's just like, by the way, we printed this stuff and it's wrong. Please understand. Please understand. It. And here you go. Um, it reminds me of like Rodea the Sky Soldier on the Wii U. I think like I think the end of that game hard crashes every time. Um, like you can't get to the results screen, I think, because of that. Uh, I think it still saves that you beat the game. It's just, you can't actually see the results screen after you beat the game. Um, and so like, I, 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 I wonder if they ever like officially acknowledge that or if they're just like, yeah, it's broken, whatever, ship it kind of thing. You know, I don't think there's a lot of uh, additional runs of Rodea for the Wii U after that. So I doubt they ever fixed it. So, and, uh, even like Wii U era, they were not putting out a lot of patches for those kind of things. Um, or, yeah, I feel like the Wii U's games on the Wii U still were kind of in this weird spot where they weren't getting like a lot of, you know, love and attention after release. So, so yeah, but hopefully that's a good answer. Um, yeah, I just couldn't like think of anything specifically at the top of my head, but I know I definitely have seen cute manuals before. Go look at my pickup videos because those are probably the best places to go look for like manual stuff. I probably open up a lot of game manuals in those, or at least in the most recent one I did that's not published yet, but I feel like previously I did that as well. There's like one that has like a little like uh, warning slip in there that's like, hey, don't hit people kind of thing. And it like has a guy that's like swinging his Wii remote back and smacking the guy in his face. And the guy who's hitting him in the face just looks so happy. He's like, oh, I'm having so much fun. I really like that. So anyways, thank you again for subscribing to the Patreon. I appreciate it. Like I said. You can ask a question on Patreon every Monday. Um, basically, there's a post that goes up around 3 p.m. Pacific time. If you want to ask a Patreon question, you can do so there. I always just kind of pre-fill it in with one of the questions that Jillian has provided or uh, LevelUp uh, or LevelSkip.com uh, has as well. So don't feel uh, afraid to just drop a comment on there and ask a question and I will answer it. If you give me $3 a month. <laughs> so So, yeah. Anyways, back to news, or I guess to news. We have not done any news yet. Um, So video games. Video games happened um, this week, uh, and it was very much kind of like a follow-up E3 kind of time frame. Uh, You know, we had some of the stuff that happened the week beforehand with Summer Games Fest, State of Play. I watched the Xbox um, event as well as the Capcom event, and to be honest, for both of them, I really did not have a lot to say. They showed off Resident Evil 4, um again with the Capcom event but they didn't really show any gameplay I think they said gameplay and it was like a in-game render of Leon's like back of his head or something like that at some point. all right whatever that is not a video you have not showed me a video game for Resident Evil 4 yet I think they did specifically mention like like looking at Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 though um when they mentioned Resident Evil 4 so it's probably gonna be pretty similar to that which probably just means I probably just need to play Resident Evil 2 remake at some point for that and yeah, Microsoft's, like, I think Microsoft's showcase was really good. Um, just nothing really, like, stood out to me in a way that, like, I felt like was even really probably worth acknowledging on here. Um, there's some ports for Persona games that got announced. Uh, there was Starfield was finally shown off, but I'm not a big Bethesda guy, so um, I didn't really have any thoughts on that Starfield thing. Other than, like, I think they said, like, we're going to have a thousand planets, and I'm like, all right. That, that sounds like you're not designing those planets. That sounds like you're going to randomize some stuff and then throw some content in there randomly. And, and as long as nothing looks out of place, you'll just kind of let it be that and then carve out some like, you know, linear content on certain parts of the planets, things like that, which is perfectly fine. And tons of people play those games, you know, Fallout and I think Elder Scrolls, you know, handle things in a very similar ways, just maybe at a smaller scale to some degree, depending on how big those planets are, I guess. If they're tiny planets, then maybe it's not as big of a deal. Um, but yeah, it just kind of like, like the, the, the idea of like a thousand planets to me just sounded like oh that sounds like maybe then I like would not be having fun for the most of the game because it's just like procedurally generated content but again people are accepting a procedurally generated content things like that so we'll see what happens uh it looks like a third person shooter for the most part which I think the more recent Fallout games have been more or less third person shooter or first person shooters rather sorry Um, so I don't know how much RPG there is in there with that. Um, I'm sure there's probably stats, but like, I feel like every video game has stats these days. So, so yeah, Square Enix actually had their own event, although it was not like a general Square Enix event. They were like, Hey guys, Final Fantasy seven. Are you ready for Final Fantasy VII? And then they're like, we have 30 billion Final Fantasy VII things to show. Um, probably the most important one in there is Final Fantasy Remake Part 2 got announced. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, I think is what it's called. Um, saw a lot of speculation about this. Uh, I won't go into too much detail depending on what you know. But, you know, basically there is uh, some room that that game might be somewhat different than what the PlayStation version of Final Fantasy VII is outside of just like, hey, it's a different game, but like also like maybe the story will alternate in certain places, things like that, or, or be changed in certain places, so... I don't want to go too much detail about that, but that sounds like that's what might be happening there. But it was all it seemed very speculative, so I don't want to say too much. Um, But based off what I've heard about Final Seven Remake One, it sounds probably about right. Um, But it was more or less just a teaser trailer. It was like Cloud and uh, Sephiroth like walking through um, whatever that flashback area is. I think I forget Niflheim or something like that, or maybe that's the town that you have the flashback. I don't remember. It's a part, if you play Final 7, it's the start of this two. <laughs> so, and they announced that it's going to be a three-part series. So they are committing to, at least right now, finishing it up with part three. That being said, you know, they have released DLC for the first game. So we'll see, maybe they continue to do that. Um, And then they're saying it's going to be for winter 2023. So um that is, you know... The part I'm split on this. I actually, recently had a conversation with a friend about this, where he was like, "They're never gonna finish Final Fantasy Seven like remake kind of thing," and I was just like, "It's it's Square Enix, so I definitely understand that." Um, but like, they have a foundation and they built a video game, so you know, while Midgar doing a video game in Midgar, the like the central town is very different from doing a video game in the U. Whole world of Final Fantasy VII, I think they're going to look at that game as a template. And so you're not going to get probably the big open world exploration stuff in Final Fantasy VII like you got in the PlayStation 1. You're probably going to just get, you know, kind of uh, a fairly linear experience, I would imagine. It's my, my expectation. This is just general, general feelings. Uh, this is not based off anything r- real, just like thinking about development times and how, what that original game looked like. Um, but, anyways, so, um, so, I I was a little hesitant to say much, but the one big thing that was like concerning to me was that Final Fantasy 16 got pushed back to summer 2023. So, I was like, are they really gonna re- want to release a Final Fantasy 7 game, like full remake game, right after 16 like that? And apparently, the answer is yes. Now, it's Square Enix very good chance whatever happens it will get delayed <laughs> but you know it, it is kind of uh interesting to to see it so close so but i'm glad it's moving forward that's the big thing so if we're moving at this rate you know assuming it actually comes out on time you know we'll probably have the wrapped up series by you know probably 2025 2026 right um so it feels weird to say but that is you know probably about right for a square enix uh uh rollout of that kind of stuff so we'll see maybe like the end of the PlayStation five generation or something like that. Right. Um, I think this game might be launching exclusively on PS five initially here. I don't think it's even coming out for PS four, um, at least right now, at least. So it's kind of interesting, but anyways, that happened. Uh, but that's kind of honestly, in some ways, the least amount of news that came out of that. Um, there's also a, uh, Final Fantasy seven, uh, crisis core remake that's coming out. I, f- I didn't write down the name for it. Um, but this is, that's coming out this winter, Um, Which is actually kind of interesting because it is on like a bunch of different platforms, including Xbox, Switch, everything. So, except for mobile. Um, uh, It looks really nice too, although I don't know what version of the game they're running or showing. Probably the PlayStation version with how Square Enix is. Um, but it looks like really good. Um, I actually have crisis core on PSP. So I'm a little split on if I want to play this version of the game or play that original PSP version of the game. Um, I think I heard, and I need to look into this more, you know, before I make a decision on that is, um, there might be more voice acting in this version of the game, um, which would be, be nice. Um, but I think really what would really sell me is if they added some kind of new, like a uh, unique mode that kind of repurposes the gameplay of crisis core, or maybe they have like a multiplayer mode or something like that, that would be the kind of thing that would probably really sell me, which I know those, those are not things that final fantasy fans want. And I I don't really think that this game needs that necessarily to succeed. It's just, I'm trying to, you know, like I said before the last couple of weeks, trying to think of reasons, what would push me over the edge to buy these particular versions of the game versus just playing the PSP version. Right. Um, so Probably realistically, the more voice acting is probably what would be the most realistic chance of, of anything. But if it were to really try to sell me on it, it would probably be adding some kind of multiplayer mode or something like that, that I think would be kind of cool or like repurposing the the, the gameplay in an interesting way or, or making some new content that that's in a cool, different way as well. So, um, but yeah, it looks really nice and I'll be really curious to see what the Switch version of that looks like. Um, and then they also, uh, talked about, um, Ever Crisis again, which if you don't know what this is, this is the mobile... Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, which is different from the traditional Final Fantasy VII Remake that's, that's been going on. Um, it bas- basically looks a lot more like the original PlayStation game in some ways where it's like, you know, chibi characters on the world map running around. Um, but then they have, um, like the highly detailed battles that happen when you get in encounters and like the, the, character models in those battle sequences look really nice. You know, we're like, we're talking about character models that basically look pretty dang close to Final Fantasy VI Remake's character models. Obviously it's going to look a little different. It's going to depend on your phone power, things like that um but it is like a gotcha game so like how like and, and by that extension i believe a live game as well um so you know how the chances of me ever touching it is a whole other thing if they maybe like finish out the content and then launch it on like switch or something later then maybe i'd be interested in that scenario um but as far as i understand this game is going to retell the story of basically all the final Fantasy VII content including original final Fantasy VII before crisis uh, I guess, Advent Children to some extent. I, I actually don't remember Advent Children being mentioned, but I believe Durja Cerberus and Crisis Core were mentioned. So I think it's telling that, like, full entire Final seven story through the uh, mobile game itself. Um, they also showed off some outfits for uh, uh, Tifa and uh, Aerith. Um, so that was kind of cute to see those different outfits. Also, like, a samurai outfit for Cloud. That was pretty cool. It was actually, like, a fairly, like, conservative samurai outfit for Cloud that was actually kind of, like... In some ways, just kind of nice. He just has, like, basically, like, a really cool shoulder pad that's more of, like, a samurai shoulder pad. And he had, like, a samurai sword kind of thing. So, like, they didn't really, like, overblow the design too much. I think some people might be disappointed by that. Um, But I kind of like that it kind of fit his theming still. Maybe a little too conservative to some degree. You know, from afar, I probably would look at it and be like, I don't know, that just looks like Cloud. But but uh, at, the, at least from a... um um from close up i thought it was like a nice touch to to have that so yeah just the fact that it's on mobile though is going to make it very difficult for me to ever like sit down and actually really consider unfortunately so yes uh, i believe that crisis core remake is called reunion maybe i have a note here 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 that just says final phase 7 remake reunion and i don't know if that is actually what i wrote but i don't know what that means otherwise so i to take a strong guess that is what that means <laughs> so so yeah So Final Fantasy VII stuff aside, uh, yeah, let's stop talking about Final Fantasy VII. But I guess one thing I should say about Final Fantasy VII is, like, there's a lot of Final Fantasy VII content. It's a lot of, like, kind of repurposing of it, and I think I could definitely see why people would be disappointed in that. Although it was a Final Fantasy VII showcase, so, like, yeah, that's what's gonna be. They showed off all the usual stuff. They have the first soldier there as well, things like that. But I would say, like, all these projects at least look interesting and look good and like, to some degree, I'm going to be honest with you, I would be really curious like how much they're reusing between all these projects, because I had uh, Square Enix has a hard time getting Final Fantasy games out. Square Enix has a hard time getting video games out. Um, so this idea of like, yeah, let's just copy and paste like Cloud's model between four different games is I'm kind of like, OK, do what you got to do Square Enix to make this work. <laughs> um, and like, you know, Ever Crisis is for a different audience that I think than these well, if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan, Ever Crisis probably appeals to you. But as somebody who is a general video game fan, like, you know, Ever Crisis doesn't really look like something I need to be touching. Um so, we'll see though. Some point I will play Crisis Core and Final Fantasy VII remake, but pff, when that's going to happen? I'm still sitting on 13 uh 3 or uh, what's it called, Lightning Returns. I'm behind. I'm behind on the times and f- I've given up on 14. Basically, like I can't imagine a world where I sit down and ever play 14. Like basically what would have to happen for me to play 14 is I would probably have to get a job playing 14. And if I could get a job playing 14, I would play 14. But <laughs> Otherwise, like I kind of doubt I will ever commit that time into 14 ever again. Uh, a couple of other random trailers here for things. I'm going to note here before we get too deep into this that I don't 100% know that these are new video games. They're just the first time I've seen them. So I thought I'd bring them up. One is, I believe it's called Monochrome Mobius Kokondoi Atonement. Um, this is an Aqua Plus game, just had like kind of a nice look to it. It's it is, I believe, maybe I don't know, it's PS4 and PS5, I'm pretty sure actually. Um, but it does definitely look like it's using the PS5's capabilities in terms of visuals. It's interesting to see because you get to see kind of the 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 high quality like um um like texture work and things like that and modeling of the PS5, but then also kind of this like more budget anime game style um like attached to it so it's like kind of this weird disconnect in a way that's kind of interesting to see um that's by the developers who make i'm gonna butch i don't have it written here so i'm gonna try a complete blast out of the mouth the utawa tome series or something like that it's the one there's like a dokapon release recently or something i always say that the game series doesn't exist because i don't know anybody who plays it other than uh uh Renoa of platform and pitfalls. So, um, yeah, but anyway, so, uh, Aqua plus is putting that out. Um, there's another game called timing goo, although I think it's supposed to sound like timing good. Um, it is, it is spelled timing go goo or something like that though. But like the Japanese pronunciation sounded like timing good kind of thing when when I listen to the trailer. Um, This is like a Rhythm Heaven game by Mages or 5PB or whatever you want to call them, which was kind of interesting. It seems kind of out of nowhere. I think it's already out on mobile, but they're porting it to the Switch, so I'm kind of curious about it. As somebody who has not played much Rhythm Heaven, though, I will say, I, I don't know... Like, I guess something like this probably is more appealing to me than Rhythm Heaven just because, like, I feel like enough people have played Rhythm Heaven. So, like, if I went off on this other thing, that'd be kind of fun um, to, like, just be like, okay, what's going on here? Um, That being said, being a Mages or 5PB game, I imagine it's probably be fairly successful. Although, you know, Mages and 5PB, like, are known for visual novels, right? So, maybe their player base set doesn't line up quite right. I don't know. We'll see if it gets popular. I'll be curious to see. Um, But it's coming to Switch, so... It looked fun, looked cute, just looked very like WarioWare slash, a uh, 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 Rhythm Heaven-ish, if you don't know, like very kind of short, chunked up mini games with like a simple visual style that kind of matches like a rhythm that's happening. And, and so there's like, technically you're playing a mini game, but like, like it's all about just pressing the button in time with the rhythm for the most part. Maybe like pressing two buttons depending on what, what's happening on screen kind of thing um there were also some re-releases and release dates announced uh Digimon Survive this is not a re-release uh but this comes out July 29th I think that's the same day as Xenoblade Chronicles 3 this game I don't know when this game was announced Digimon Survive it feels like it's been announced forever though and been delayed forever so the fact that they're actually putting this thing out whew, Bandai Namco I'm glad you're able to get this out there like get this done and finished um, if you don't know, I think the developer changed halfway through because of development issues. So we'll see. Maybe it comes out and it's just like a, you guys, we had to release something. We have to make our money back. And so the quality of this is maybe not great. But like it always looked very straightforward to me. It's it's has like a nice style visually, and it, it kind of fits, I think, alongside and, and Digimon's been doing this for a while, I think, but kind of fits in like that kind of like persona range of of fans, um, in terms of like the aesthetic and things like that. There's like some adventure segments where you kind of explore and talk to characters and you know, ask questions and things like that. Um, or at least if you don't explore, you like get like these like sceneries that you stand in front of and you can like select things in the environment kind of thing. Very like adventure, you know, ace attorney-ish kind of thing. Um so it again, it looks really nice, but the the combat's just like kind of straightforward strategy RPG, as far as I can tell. And when I watched the Digimon showcase many months back, um the producer of the game didn't really give much details beyond just like if you attack an enemy from behind it does more damage if you attack the enemy from the side it doesn't do as much damage but it does more damage if you attack an enemy from the front it does the least amount of damage <laughs> like it is it was like the most like straightforward like yes you are making a strategy rpg thank you <laughs> like why are we getting like a full explanation of, of these mechanics in a weird way so um but yeah super glad it's finally going to be released uh i probably won't play it but good on good on you people. Um, that's one of those games that like at this point, I think I've seen everything that game's probably going to offer. And I can't imagine there'd be anything that would get me to play it at this point. Um, probably just being a different game. I would need some really weird gimmick to come in and like mix things up with that game. And I just do not see that happening. I think it's going to be a fun game story wise. Maybe fun is not the right word, but like, I think it will be a very appealing game story wise, art aesthetically wise. And, and, and I think the gameplay is just going to probably be there just to get you through that. If I were to guess again. I have not played it deadly permission Two came to PC or is coming to PC. Let me open up this article real quick. Although I only have the four gamer article here, not an American English one. Um, yeah. So you can buy deadly premonition two on steam. Now that had been switch only for a while, I think. So it looks like it came out June 11th. Um, so yeah, uh, I would be curious to see like how people receive it there. I know the Switch version was not super well received, and it feels like even Deadly Premonition fans were kind of mixed on it as well. I don't know if going to Steam, you know, depending on what they change, maybe, maybe they can have some improvements. But, oh, um, well, I mean, obviously there's like, <laughs> not a given, but like the frame rate issue and stuff, the Switch version that game was pretty rough in that regard. But like, I don't know if there's going to be anything they can do to really like change that game's like opinion. But I mean, it was already kind of like a series that was like known for for what it was and being janky in some ways. So maybe it's just that the time for that kind of game has passed or rather the, 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 the spotlight we put on a game like deadly premonition has passed now that we have, you know, a very diverse market of games out there now. So, um, and then lollipop uh, lollipop chainsaws coming back, although they did not say exactly in what way I think grasshopper may have put out like a very general video that was just like, Hey, we're basically looking at our archive of games and thinking about, you know, what we can do. I think people spotted a Flower, Sudden and Rain uh, thing in that video. So that might be, you know, showing that that is uh, uh, going to be something that comes out again. If you don't know, Flower, Sun and Rain was like some kind of um, PS2 kind of adventure game. I think that mainly takes place in like a hotel um, and it got ported to the DS. And I, I always wanted to play that game, but I think part of me always preferred the look of the PS2 version over the DS version and the PS2 version wasn't translated. So I never quite ever bit on it. Um, so I imagine this PC version or whatever, if if it's even a thing that's coming out of that, that would be a, a, something that would appeal to me for sure. Um, although at this point, that, that would probably be um, pretty heavily covered at this point. Although I think there's quite a few videos. I mean, I think people have really dug into Grasshopper's Library and gotten really deep into those. So at least from like a YouTube content perspective, I probably wouldn't have a lot of reason to go for it. But I would be interested in playing it someday. Uh, but Anyways, back to Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah, so basically, uh, the it sounds like the person who's like in charge of that game, um, when it was being published by Warner, got the rights to it, um, very kind of El Shaddai kind of situation here, started up their own company, and they basically said, Lollipop Chainsaw is going to be coming back. But they didn't say exactly how. I'd have to imagine, most likely, Scenario is just like a remaster kind of thing that comes out, you know you know, basically, you know, put in, bring it to PC, put in modern configuration settings and, and then kind of leave it at that kind of thing. Right. I would imagine that's probably what it is. So anyways, all very exciting stuff. Good variety of things there. So that's it for the news and that's it for the podcast this week thank you again for listening again if you listen to the youtube version your feedback about the clips will be helpful currently they're mostly about like more recent things but i'll probably um start to dig back in the podcast archive a bit try to pull out some topics from there and and upload those especially if i have footage available for them um as long as they're kind of condensed i don't want to like sit there and take like you know six different podcasts where i talk about one video game and try to like link them together probably um so yeah there's that In terms of content coming up, though, this week is the beginning of a very special three weeks, um, where basically there'll be PCFX content put out the next three weeks here. Uh, Two of them are podcasts, so basically I'll be doing a podcast, um, with uh, or two podcasts, rather. It's one podcast that we recorded that got... Split into two parts. Um, But we did a a conversation with Speedy Noel and uh, Filler. Um, Both of them, you know, Filler's has a long history with PCFX. Speedy Noel has been getting into, like, um, you know, Japanese adventure dating games, things like that, Doku Say, things like that. Um, So on our Emily Dory channel. So um, PCFX kind of gets wrapped into that to some degree. So we did a discussion about general PCFX games. We also did a discussion about, you know, the PCFX's audience, you know, past and present, or rather... More of like the present audience for PCFX, and then like the past, like um, development teams and things like that on PCFX, or or key talent on PCFX rather. So we have that coming up the week after that as second part of that 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 more more focused conversation, and then the third week I have a Galaxy Furlan Yuna. English guide video coming out. This is one of the ones where I mixed in more of my opinion into it. So it has more of my UniFX like thoughts and feelings rather than just like, here's how you can sit down and play the game. Although I do definitely include information about sitting down and playing that game without knowing any Japanese. So that will be coming up the week after that. So unlike before where we were doing like a two week timeline thing where every two weeks I'm putting out a piece of content for the sake of the podcast, I decided to put the podcast out part one, part two, week by week. So technically it's still like you giving the podcast on one day and then two weeks later you're getting the video. But just because of how I split the podcast, I thought it makes sense to kind of space it out by by week for that. So uh but then once we're done with the unit video, we'll go back to the two week um uh rollout kind of thing. So Please enjoy that. Please listen to that. Really, really looking forward to that. Um, I will say, if you want to know more about PCFX stuff, I did get some expressed interest from Filler and Noel of potentially doing more PCFX podcasts in the future. The big challenge was just figuring out what we would talk about. Obviously, there's the answer of individual games. But if you want to hear any kind of specific thoughts or things about PCFX, let me know if there's something that you want us to think about or look into. And if it makes sense, we can, you know, think about maybe doing something like that. Um, but you know, it's not something that's going to happen regularly, probably at this point, um, just because, you know, they have their own stuff that they're doing. I got my own garbage that I'm doing all that good stuff. So anyways, so that's coming up this week. Um, we finished up Rygar last week on stream, got the community review for that coming out. Well, the review is up on the stream if you want to watch that, but I believe I have the community review scheduled to come out, uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, but, uh, on Thursday this week, We're going to start One Piece Unlimited Adventure for the Wii. So this is a very early Wii game um, in the One Piece franchise, the anime franchise. Um, And uh, I picked it up a while ago, um, but it's like a game by Gambarian. So the Pandora's Towers development team. Pandora's Towers developer actually works on most, if not all, the One Piece games, I think. Uh, At least the most recent ones. Um, anyways, so, uh, it is a Gambarian game, so we're gonna be checking that out. Um, it is a fairly long game as far as I can tell from how long to be, it's like 30 hours. So I think what's realistically going to happen is we will play 15 hours of One Piece Unlimited Adventure, take a break, play something else, then play another 15 hours of One Piece. Um, I want to do this because one thing that I've always kind of set limitations on with the podcast is that, um, you can only play games up to 20 hours, I want to find explore different ways that we can kind of break that stuff up and find it. The big reason why is that, like, even doing you know fifteen hours of One Piece, you know, that's still like a month or more of streams that get booked because we only stream once a week, right? So, um, I don't want to like you know commit to a seventy-hour video game and then basically a quarter of our year is spent on you know, that video game sort, sort of online alicization or something like that, right? LaCorus. Um, get the full name in there, Ben, you gotta get the full name in there. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's going to be starting at 7 PM this week. I have not really watched any one piece. I read like two volumes of the manga when I was like 13. So, you know, like I don't really remember a name on one piece. So, uh, it'll be one of those situations where I'm just like, yeah, what was it? Luffy, 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 whatever. Luffy- 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 <laughs> People are making fun of how, um, um, what's his name uh jeff Keeley was was saying the character's name in the uh summer games fest and i'm just like i don't know that's probably what i would say for his name too <laughs> so so yeah but anyways that's it thank you so much one is the website i hope you have a great week bye